Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello everyone, welcome to the third episode of what was known as the Unnamed Podcast. Now we have a name. It is the Loud Pedal Podcast. One word, Loud Pedal. We have had some people try to imitate us. Often <laughs> well, imitated, never duplicated. <laughs> their podcast was out before ours, but <laughs> we do, well, Loud Pedal has been around for a long time, Dylan. Yeah. Like, Loud Pedal TV put out some of the most historic videos, in my opinion, some of the best sprint car videos in history. Everyone knows Indiana Sprint Week videos. Um, Tim Truex, who we're kind of paying homage to, but now I work with him at Float Racing. We've kind of decided that we're going to transition into this new era of Loud Pedal podcast which hopefully we'll get Timmy on soon, onto the show. Uh, he's a little shy, you know, he's a, he's a behind the camera guy, uh, you know, does a lot of editing, fantastic editor, but yeah, so we're paying homage to the brand of Loud Pedal. They've done a lot for sprint car racing. They had, you know, an archive of some tremendous stuff kind of based out of California that moved to the Midwest and helped with USAC a lot. And I'm pretty excited about the new brand. Yeah, I am too. I mean, I you know, for me, I always, before I even knew Tim, watched his videos and was always in awe of just how good they were and then you know got to meet Tim when I worked with USAC and he's become a great friend now and so it's exciting for for me and I think you know for you as well to to be able to kind of be associated with him however uh formally or informally we want to call this association you know it's it's still fun for both of us I think to have that that name and that loud pedal name be you know be on something we're doing and the good thing is Timmy has a trademark for loud pedals yeah. so there is a good chance we will be having merchandise in the future. The people who have a Loud Pedal podcast already might need to watch out because you do not have a trademark for this. We do. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Timmy does. But, uh, yes, we uh, hopefully will, you know, get some shirts out. And as it grows, it'll get bigger and bigger. But um, new logo should be coming out soon. We should be moving to audio soon. But for right now, we're going to stay with video. Let's recap some of the racing that has happened. 
Um, first off, did you enjoy your return back to the uh, Dirt Track microphone here uh, at Eldora this week? I loved it. I mean, it's uh, it's that's home for me. You know, it's it's uh, if I had my choice, that you know, I would I would do that full time. And and obviously, you know, for the same reasons that dirt racers go race in NASCAR or you know race in other professional series, you know, you do it for you know obviously you know I think it's obvious reasons why, but. Uh, there's nothing that compares to being at the dirt track and working with those people and watching those cars. And um, it was uh, not getting to do it as much as I used to makes me appreciate it that much more. So it was great to be back. We are at Camp Burnett here at Indian Lake. Um, on the other side of this camera, there's a lake. On this side of the camera is our mess that we have created in here uh, because we've been hunkered down for a week. We went to Eldora Speedway for the past couple of days. It was cool to hear Dylan and Logan CV and Haley Shanley and Chet Christner and Blake Anderson on the mic. We had tons of good content coming out from Flo. Um, you know, Tony Stewart, we're about to play an interview with a piece of the interview that he did with Haley um, that we got from there. Um, David Gravel was tremendous, and, and we'll get into that in a little bit in our hat shakes. Why don't we just kick things off with recapping Eldora, and we'll start with Tony Stewart's interview. I wanted to play some of the sound bites from it because he was really good talking about the difficulties of running a racetrack first off uh, he, during this COVID-19 pandemic and, and kind of what they went through. And Eldora has had zero fans this year. They had one sprint car race, you know, two late model races and just had a really interesting year. So let's, let's play a piece of that Tony Stewart interview. We're here day two, the big day at Governor's Reign. Joining me is Tony Stewart. Tony, you put on not one, but two monumental events this year, seemingly against all odds. How has that process been? Well, it's, uh, it's definitely been a, a difficult and weird year here at Eldora to, uh, to see tracks around us that have been able to operate. But, you know, we, we've followed the governor's guidelines. We've, uh, you know, we've done everything they've asked us to do. And, and you know, obviously the, the governor's office is gonna have more accurate data and information about what we need to do or not do than, than we do. So um, we've followed their request and, um, you know, but we've, they've allowed us to have three events uh, with no fans. So, uh, you know, thanks to our friends at Flow, we've been able to, to put on three really good events so far. And, you know, we might be inking a new name in the history books tonight. We'll see. But regardless, we're already making history this weekend. David Gravel, he shattered that track record last night. We had a fast track, but that was an 18-year track record. Why do you think it took so long for someone to break that? <laughs> well, I think as the sports evolved, I mean, both World Racing Group with World of Outlaws and the All-Stars and all the other series are trying to figure out, you know, there's a point where these cars don't structurally don't need to go much faster than that. They're going to start becoming unsafe. So I think there was a, a point where, you know, wing rules changed, uh, tire rules changed. So those are the things that slowed it down. And, and it's taken 18 years to, to get back where uh, somebody like David Gravel could go throw a lap down like that. <laughs> it was definitely an exciting one, that's for sure. And let me ask you about your car. You're obviously not driving this weekend. You got Tim Kading in the seat. Talk to me about that decision. <laughs> Well, you would think that this would be the one place I would be super excited about running a 410, but I, I honestly do not get around here very well in a 410. I did okay in a 360 here and then in a late model, but the 410 is just that much faster that for some reason I just never could get comfortable uh, in a 410. So, uh, you know, having somebody like Tim Cading get in the car, uh, Tim gets around here really well and is comfortable in a 410, and, and I just have not got had a good feel in the car all year and been comfortable. So. Uh, you know, I thought it was a smarter decision to put somebody that is comfortable in it. And, uh, you know, at the same time, it's 
for me, anytime that I come to an all-star race at Old Aurora Speedway and try to drive my own car, there's three variables that I'm worrying about all night and it's really hard to focus on just one thing. So uh, it's a lot easier for me uh, since I haven't, I was running the sprint car during the first two events of the season that we ran here. So, uh, you know, being able to come here and see all of our officials and uh, see everything, it's the first time all year that I've been here. So, uh, you know, it's just a little easier for me to, to worry about the all-stars and worry about the track and let somebody else drive. Smoke, Tony Stewart at Eldora Speedway. And I believe the next time we go there, Dylan, we're gonna get uh, a little tour through the pool barn. He's got some cool cars there. I think he's got some Kinzer cars and he's got some late models and Norm Bennings, uh, B-Main car, if you will, or truck. Wow, I called it a car. Yeah, easy. <laughs> Norm Bennings truck uh, in the pool barn. We'll get a tour of that, but it was good to hear from Smoke. Um, they did a tremendous job at Eldora. You know, of course, Jonathan Bateman does the direction and producing for everything that you see on Flow's coverage and has done it for a while at Eldora. Uh, what was it like to uh, work at Eldora? I think, what, what is that, your third or fourth time announcing there, maybe? Yeah, I, that, I mean, that was the very first track I ever announced at was Eldora in 2014. So, um, and that was they had a production company team there, but it was, you know, the whole streaming thing was in its infancy. So uh, to come back six years later and, and, you know, get to see kind of how how professionally done things are done there with that, uh, with the Eldora production company. And um, it was fun. I mean, you know, I think it was, uh, it was obviously a bummer that we didn't have fans there, but I think that it, you know, I think our broadcast hopefully made it you know, feel like you were there and made people feel like, you know, they were, uh, you know, obviously not there, but hopefully it was the next best thing. And I enjoyed it. You know, it was, uh, it was fun to be able to be a part of something that uh, was produced that well. So I enjoyed it. It was nice to return home. Uh, this is home for me um, at Eldora Speedway. I grew up at Limeland and Waynesfield and Fremont and Attica. And of course, 40 minutes down 274 is Eldora. Um, you know, it's just, it was weird without fans. I mean, I went up into the turn three grandstands where I grew up sitting and, and watching the races and watching Hot and Shield bang the curb all night long around there. And uh, I took me a uh, pizza Lunchable <laughs> up there just to, cause I mean, I talk, I think I talked about it in every single shot I did this week, but the pizza burger is just, I miss it. And at, you, at lunch today, we went to a place down the street and you got a pizza burger. I did. Did it, did it taste just as good? It was pretty good. It was pretty solid. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. Uh, so. Yeah, it's, it, was a, it was a weird trip to Eldora, but it was a fun trip to Eldora. Uh, let's talk about the first night. Brent Marks wins night one of the governor's reign, which was a Im very impressive deal. I mean, he's been running through PA. I think he jumped off the All-Star Tour. Or was it, uh, He might have been running the Outlaws, actually. Jumped off the tour, whatever tour he was on, uh, and stayed in PA. Has won some races around at Williams Grove. I think he's second in points. Um, but the first night, man, they were an absolute rocket ship on a very heavy racetrack. Yeah, they were. I mean, he was strong from the start. You know, I think it would have been interesting had Gravel gotten around Madsen before he made that contact with him. You know, I think, uh, and we talked about it in our, our recap last night, but Gravel, I mean, just was the class of the field, I think, really both nights. And uh, obviously Tuesday night set a track record, won his heat race, was on the charge, passing for second in the feature and, and you know, spun out. But um Marks was good. You know, I think it would have been a, a hell of a race if, if David had gotten to him because uh, I think Brent was, was just as strong, you know, and, and, you know, negotiated traffic well and did everything he had to do to, to keep himself out front. He's a great interview. Here's a piece of his interview after winning night number one. You'll hear at the end of it, 
Um, they had some issues there at the end of the race, running into a massive clod uh, that must have came up, you know, kind of built up a lap before, and he ran into it, got a hole in the oil pan. Let's let him tell the story. Here's an interview with Brett Marks. Standing in Eldora Victory Lane for night number one of the governor's reign is Brent Marks. Brent, that thing was a rocket ship tonight, man. Yeah, it sure was. Um, Barry, Tyler, and Brian did an awesome job tonight, and the car was fast as uh, soon as we unloaded it. So it was just, you know, it was great to be able to compete in the CJB Motorsports car here at, Eld at Eldora. They've always been really fast, and I feel comfortable at this racetrack, and I love this racetrack. And, um, you know, we just put a whole whole night together, and, and uh, we're, we're really fast. So it just felt, felt good to to chase James down there and get to the lead and kind of run my own pace there and work through some lap traffic. And, um, you know, it was, it was a hard race, don't get me wrong. You know, we had some trouble there towards the end of the race, and um, but, you know, we were able to pull it off, so it feels awesome. There are a lot of good sprint car drivers who struggle when they come into this place, but for some reason you have not, and you've never struggled here. Why is that? Well, yeah. when I first started coming, I did struggle here a little bit, but it's just, you know, laps and seat time and just um, – had a couple guys give me some pointers, and uh, I just was able to um, adapt really well after that. And um, you know, and like I said, jumping in such a great race car like like that, you know, it just makes my job a lot easier. But um, no, I just this is a really fun racetrack, and you know, I, you always seem to run well at a racetrack that you enjoy racing at and have fun at. So uh, that seems to make things a little easier. What does it feel like to win the first night and with a field like this? I mean, this is the best field you will ever see. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, this. This is a tough deal, and uh, I was you know, looking at times earlier, and um, I was 11 quick at a 12.9, and there was 15 cars that were in, a, you know, that were 12.9. So it's just, it's crazy how close the competition is, and um, you know, we were just uh, fortunate enough to put down a good lap there, and, and you know, and then the rest, you know, took care of itself. But you know, ultimately, it just comes down to the preparation that um, our team did on on, the, on our does on our race cars, and. And, you know, we come to the racetrack every, every night, you know, ready to win. So it's just uh, feels good to be in, in this position. You guys had to bring out an oil pan to soak up some of the oil that was coming out. What happened? What what happened to your guys' oil pan? Yeah, well, uh, a couple laps after that last restart, I, somebody must have hit the cushion down to one and two wrong and it peeled up a bunch of mud. And um, I rolled in there and seen it last second, and I, I clobbered it and I felt it. So I knew something, something wasn't right there and uh, felt like actually something with my steering was going going wrong um, towards the end, but it just peeled up a bunch of sheet metal and just messed up our, our arrow there and, uh, you know, smashed our oil tank. But yeah, luckily it didn't break it and pour all the oil out. So, you know, our motor will be fine, but it's just, uh, we were fortunate to finish that race, uh, you know, so it's just, uh, it was it was a lot of fun. You know, like I said, I wasn't feeling too comfortable there the last couple laps just because of things going on there. Um, and, you know, Kerry showed his nose to me there and actually slid by me at one point, and I just uh, had to make sure I got back by him and, and didn't lose that race. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it. Brent Marks and Eldora, victory lane for night number one of the Governor's Reign. Good run for Brent Marks. He ended up starting on the front row next to David Gravel in the second night, Dylan, of the Governor's Reign. Both of them won their respective dashes, were fast all weekend long, probably the two best cars. Uh, until we rolled into feature time and Larson kind of picked things up a bit. But um, front row, starting spot for Brent Marks and Gravel, we, we failed to mention it so far in this piece, shattered the track record with a 12.599. I think Craig Delansky had a 12.707 18 years ago in 2002. That's an 18-year 410 wing sprint car track record at Eldora. 
they were flying all week there. Yeah, you know, and it's funny, you know, we were in the media center yesterday and we're talking with Tony and, you know, about just how insane it is that those guys were going 12 and a half seconds around that place. You know, I mean, it's, it's uh, that place is always, you know, scary and, and for the bravest of the brave, but when it's hammered down like that and you are just wide open, you know, just flying around that place. I mean, it was impressive to watch those guys do it. and. Um, and gravel was certainly the best. Gravel said something to the effect of the engine that he had in that car had won so many races, more races than he's ever won with that engine. I think he won the Knoxville Nationals with it. He won some other big money shows with it. And of course now he's won $52,000 with that Kistler engine. Uh, that thing is just unbelievable. It screams around that place. Yeah, he said it was a ripper on, on Tuesday night and then backed it up Wednesday with another fast time. So he was right. So here's Gravel talking about his win in the final night of the Governor's Reign. He's standing with a $52,000 check in victory lane at the Governor's Reign. That's how you do it, son. Yeah, you know, we were close at Knoxville and uh, feels good to get these big wins. You know, we didn't have the Kings Royal, but this is our replacement. And, uh, you know, thank you to the Outlaws for letting us come to this all-star show. I'm glad everybody can make it work together. I really appreciate it. And uh, feels good to win uh, big races like this. To me, it's a ground, crown jewel anytime it's over 50,000. And uh, it feels really awesome. We had a great car all night, all, all weekend or all week. And, uh, man, uh, feels good to cap it off. Kyle scared me there. thought he was going to maybe get by me. But I just had enough. And uh, it's all that counts. You saw his nose a couple times. Uh, what was it like getting through lap traffic and, and trying to find the cushion there through dirty air? Yeah, I mean, it's just hard to see it. I mean, you get some dust and your, your shield's a little dirty and it's just hard to really tell where the entrance is. And man, I was getting loose and then hitting the curb and getting tight and then and this really scrubbing speed. So uh, luckily it was good enough. Um, I feel like I did pretty good in lap traffic. I wish I could get back a couple corners, but I think there in that last run, I did about as good as I could. I, I struggled passing Paul McMahon a little bit, but other than that, I did, I thought pretty decent. So good enough to get the job done. I'm happy. Got to thank my guys. Got to thank all our sponsors, JJR. Um, couldn't do without them. And uh, it's been a pretty good season, but haven't gotten the wins, and this makes up for it. You're rolling to Eldora, new track record, shattering the track record last night. Now you walk out with 50 grand. Congratulations. It's a big week for you guys, and uh, look forward to seeing some more wins from you. Yeah, thank you, man. Uh, we got some more racing to do this week, but uh, we'll be tired by Saturday, but happy to make a statement here at Eldora and uh, show people what's up. David Gravel in the Jason Johnson Racing 41, victorious $52,000, winning the Governor's Reign. David Gravel, full-time World of Outlaws driver, coming to Eldora, and it was cool to see the Outlaws get an invite to that event. I don't think you can have the biggest sprint car race at Eldora all year long and not invite the Outlaws. I agree. I mean, I think that's that's part of what always makes those races at Eldora. I mean, the, the races like the Kings Royal or, you know, uh, you know, the big races, even the Four Crown at the end of the year, you know, is that you have a lot of guys who you know, dabble in both or, you know, are full-time Outlaws or full-time All-Stars, but they come together and compete and that's what makes those those races so tough and that was exactly what what we had here you know it was an invite only race but apart from a couple guys maybe you know there wasn't anybody else there that you know you would you know everybody that was at that race were the guys that you would want to see you know that you would pay to go see so it was a who's who and you know incredible incredibly stout incredibly deep competition you know, I think that was the biggest thing too, is that it wasn't like you had five or six really good guys and the rest were slouches. I mean, it was literally 48 guys that could win and, and do win in their respective series week in and week out. So uh, super, super tough field. 
you know, ultra competitive both nights. And I think that's, you know, part of what makes it that much more satisfying. For sure. And you had the old, you know, the old school guys, Dave Blaney was there for the first night. Uh, Jack Hodgeshield was there, Tim Schaefer, um, Greg Wilson, you know, historic Ohio driver. Um, you know, if you, if you were a legend in sprint car racing and still had a car, you were invited. If you were, of course, an outlaw and, you know, had, you had some success in the outlaw tour, you were invited. And, of course, if you're an all-star winner or any of the all-stars, uh, you, you got invited to it. Um, tremendous field, bunch of good cars. Cool to see Gravel win it. And we, we mentioned Larson. Um, I still can't believe that he took so long to get off of that slider line. And, and when we say slider line, and some of the people that are just kind of, you know, getting new into this, um, at Eldora, the place is so banked and so, you know, you need so much momentum that you can kind of run a line where you enter turn one, like on the bottom, slide up to the cushion and kind of get through the air, cutting through the air instead of driving, you know, I don't know how to explain it. Um, but you can drive up the racetrack, hit the cushion and kind of get some momentum going off. And you've seen a lot of guys do it over the years and Larson was making it work. He just stayed on it too long. And and in his interview, you can see it on Flow Racing, he, he, he mentioned that. But... Um, I just don't know as a racer when you know to get off of that thing because you're pulling the, you're pulling the leader back, pulling the leader back as you're running that line, and then all of a sudden, just like that, he's pulling away from you again. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard because lap traffic was such a, and it always is at Eldora, but it was it's such a wild card. You know, you don't don't ever really know one little small bobble, and he could have closed right back in on him. So. Uh, I'm with you. I mean, I, I, I was curious. I am curious to see what had hap what would have happened if he had moved up um, even a lap or two mm -hmm. earlier. But think about it too. You know, in three and four, I mean, come through. You know, the white flag lap. I mean, he was half the distance of the backstretch behind him. I know. And then just did that slider line again in three and four and closed right up on him. So I don't know that it, it wasn't working necessarily. It just I think gravel was maybe just that much better, and, and, and he also got through lap traffic really well all weekend. But, um, you know, it's easy to sit here and, and, you know, go back and look at it that way for us. But I think um, I'm with you. You know, I'm curious to see what would have happened if, if he'd moved up earlier. I can't remember the outlaw race that he won this year. Was it River Cities maybe where he was literally a half a track back on the last lap oh, coming yeah. to the white and caught – I think it was Shuhart. He, he caught him. It was reminiscent of that at Eldora. Like, he just ripped the curve in one and two. And I didn't even think he got that good a run in one and two. But off of two, just pulled gravel yeah. in big time from about 10 car lengths and was right there at the finish line and almost got him. Like, I think gravel probably didn't even hear him until the last second. Yeah, I mean, he wouldn't have. I mean, Kyle wasn't anywhere even close to him to, you know, to for gravel to realize he was he was back there. But he just carried so much speed down the backstretch and into three that – uh, it probably, you know, it probably took gravel by surprise a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Well, speaking of Kyle Larson, we had the opportunity to go to the golf course this week with him and Blake Anderson and Cole Macedo and Carson Macedo were both there and all four of them played golf. We shot video of it. We're going to have a piece of that up soon here in the coming weeks. Um, we also got an interview with him and it's, it's a cool interview and bits and pieces of it. We're going to be teasing it, you know, for a while. Uh, we're not going to tell you what it is. In fact, I don't want to tell you at all what it is because it is one of the, you know, let's just say this, you are going to want to see it. Um, I'm going to let you get a sneak peek into it right now. Uh, this is a question that Blake asked him that's, you know, separate of what we talked about throughout most of the interview. But 
it's meaningful to Dylan and I because we're both huge Brian Clawson fans. Um, Clawson, of course, passed away at the Belleville Speedway. Um, what was, how many years ago now? 2016. 2016. Um, and Larson was essentially hired at Keith Coons Motorsports to beat Brian Clawson. That's it, right? And, and, and that's what, you know, Keith tells that story. We had a shop tour with Keith, and we wanted to find a guy that was there to beat Brian Clawson. And Larson knew that. And they were terribly cordial when they raced together. You know, they were friends. They, were, they became more friends when Larson went on and went to NASCAR. And here's a piece of this conversation that we had with Larson talking about Brian Clawson and this question. And uh, let me know what you guys think about it. Let's kind of bring this full circle you the what you've been able to accomplish last year I'll throw some races out at you and kind of maybe some memories for you Belleville yeah Belleville that was um that was a really really uh just I remember being extremely excited to win that just because you know Brian Clausen had had so much success there and you know, me and Brian not that we were rivals or anything in in USAC 2011 but I wanted to beat him so bad uh, that year, every night, just because, um, you know, I became friends with him you know, after kind of, you know, not racing USAC and stuff. But uh, I just remember him just like, it would just dig at me, you know, every time I'd beat him, he'd have an excuse. And, <laughs> and so, and even that night, you know, he had an excuse, but, um, and, you know, so I just, I really wanted to beat him so bad, you know, because just he was kept talking it up, you know, like, oh, this separates the men from the boys and stuff like that. Well, I went there and beat him both nights. And um, so I was just really, really happy about that. And, uh, you know, at the time, that was probably my, my biggest win, you know, and biggest pain win, I think, uh, to that point. Um, and, and, yeah, just a historic racetrack and, um, you know, getting to, to battle him and pass him for the win there was, was really cool. Kyle Larson at the Shawnee Country Club in Lima, Ohio, one of my home courses, Dylan. Um, I, of, <laughs> of course, can never, never play never there. there. You get the member's discount there. <laughs> I, I grew up five miles from the Shawnee Country Club, and I never played it. I played a lot of golf, but however, I was never invited by a club member. Um, in fact, you can't even just, you can't walk onto that course and pay to play. You have to be invited. Um, and of course, my fat ass was never invited to play there. So I played it down the street at Tamarack or when I was in Ada, I played at uh, Colonial or Springbrook or whatever. But yeah, uh, amazing golf course. The first time I ever walked it. So and I, I grew up in Lima, Ohio my entire life. And it was a cool deal. Uh, I cannot wait for you to see that interview. I'm not telling you anymore, but there is going to be a badass Larson interview coming out here soon. Um, let's get into our hat shakes. If you're new to the show, this is an homage of the Frolic Bar and Grill that uh, travels around a lot to the U USAC races, non-wing sprint car races, and midget races. And um, we didn't steal the hat shake from them. This is an homage, Kirk Spridgen. Uh, <laughs> Governor's reign, Brent Marks won night one. David Gravel shatters track record, track record and wins 52 grand. Uh, the second night, we talked a lot about that already. How about Chrissy Bear? Extended his USAC sprint car point lead with a win at Terre Haute. He also won the Holman Classic earlier this year, so two wins at Terre Haute this year. They got stuff right at Terre Haute right now, Dylan. I mean, they're uh, they're getting this thing dialed in here with three races remaining, eight point lead over Brady Bacon. Yeah, and Chris has always been good at Terre Haute. I mean, he's won there you know several times through his career. But uh, yeah, I mean, this this USAC points battle is is coming down to the wire. I mean, they they've only got this weekend and then Lawrenceburg. Uh, 
you know, at the start of the start of October, and then it's season's done. So it's uh, it's somehow I think kind of gotten lost in the shuffle of everything that's been going on the last couple of weeks in the wing car world. That you know we've got a hell of a points battle here with the, the national sprint cars. So um, and and Chris is you know Chris is obviously pretty good at the next two tracks that they're running at this weekend, Gas City and Kokomo, and then and then usually gets around Lawrenceburg pretty well too. But uh, anything can happen, and with the points battle as tight as it is, you got to be on every night. We talked to Bacon, I think, the first night at Eldora in the pit walk, and he said eight points is only two positions. Yeah. So, I mean, he's right there with three races remaining. Gas City, Kokomo, then the end of the night at the, what do they call it, the Fall Nationals yeah, or Fall something Nationals. at Lawrenceburg. Yep. Uh, those are the last three races in the Sprint Car Series schedule. They're not going to the Oval Nationals, which has been canceled. So they're going to end the, the Sprint Car season at Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Get your tickets now if you want to see a barn burner of a points yeah. championship because Chase Stockton is right there too. Yeah, I mean it's it they literally are all three right there together, so it's gonna be gonna be awesome. You can also watch it all on Flow Racing. Um, Wyndham is also looking to complete the Triple Crown, um, and it's very likely he will at this point. That now they do have a lot of races left, ten points races. Then the final race at Merced is a non-points event on Thanksgiving. Um, so 10 points or 10 races remaining for the midget championship and he's up by 34 points in uh, the Tucker Boat Motorsports machine. There's a good shot he wins both championships this year but uh, caps off the triple crown too. Yeah and, and that's another thing too that I don't think has gotten enough attention is that he is in a position to become maybe the last triple crown champion ever because I don't you know I mean obviously things can change you know in the next however many years but of the guys that are racing right now, unless Sunshine goes out and, and wins a Silver Crown Championship, which I don't think is gonna happen, it's very, very unlikely that we ever see another Triple Crown champion. So uh, I think this is something that, you know, hopefully gets the attention that it deserves because there's only seven guys that have done it. So, and it's, I mean, literally a who's who of, you know, of USAC racing, of dirt racing, obviously. So. Uh, Huge accomplishment if he can pull it off. Huge accomplishment if he can win both in a single year. Um, but it'd be uh, it would be cool to see that happen. Kendall Rubel, first career USAC National Sprint Car win at Hobstad. Those MSCS boys just have some kind of advantage right now at Hobstad. Yeah, well, I mean, they always have. I mean, they, they race down there so much, and that's such a weird place. It, I mean, you talk to plenty of guys who, who hate that track just because it's so bizarre and how you have to run it is so non-conventional so uh the guys that have lots of laps down there are always going to be at advantage but you know i mean we saw steven schnapp win earlier this year um we've seen plenty of you know carson shorts one is one his first sprint car race there i mean there's there's always it seems like once a year there's a guy who runs really well there or wins that you know doesn't do anything anywhere else yeah. you know doesn't run very well anywhere else so uh it's just one of those places but super cool for kendall you know i mean i think that's that's about as big of an underdog win as you're going to have these days. So, uh, pretty cool and, and you know feeling good. And I think I saw they're going to come up and run Gas City and Kokomo. So, um, hopefully they can they can have a good run there this weekend too. Yeah, I'm going to be at Gas City and Kokomo. I'll have to talk to them. Um, yeah, that was a massive win. Chase Stockton was second, and and obviously congratulated Rubel. They raced together a lot in the MSCS series. Um, one of the things that was kind of the talk of Twitter was the move that Rubel made on Kyle Cummins. Um, I just, I don't know when I'm sitting, if I'm sitting in the seat running second for a, my first USAC national sprint car series race, actually was leading at the time. Um, basically what happened was he entered three, 
Cummins entered towards the bottom. Ruble, I guess, didn't know he was there. They were going for the same kind of real estate. And, you know, Cummins went around and Ruble kept going. He probably chopped him a bit. But here's... I mean, you're trying to protect your line and you're going for your first USAC National Sprint Car win. You're going to do anything you can. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, too. I mean, like what I was just saying, I mean, that track is just you literally have to back the car up the hill, get it rotated. You're, you know, you can run anywhere because they farm it so much. So you can run on the bottom, but you can kind of run across and slide across the bottom or you can enter high and come down low. I mean, there's literally cars everywhere on every single, you know, every single race at that racetrack. So it, it, you know, usually, you know, creates some exciting racing, but there's also a lot of times where guys just meet in the middle because they're both running two opposite, you know, different lines. So, um, yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, maybe didn't mean to do it because that's just how you have to race that track sometimes. But yeah, I mean, you're going after your first win. I think if you're in a position to play some defense, you're going to do it. Yeah, it's a tough one not to uh, race pretty hard for. And Ruble, to his credit, in victory lane said, I don't want to win a race like that. Yeah. And I didn't want to win my first USAC race like that. And needless to say, he did win his first, you know, hustler that way. But, I mean, hats off to the kid. He, he won the race. Cummins has won plenty at uh, Hobstad. I don't think he needed another one, but... <laughs> $10,000, he probably would have liked that. Yeah, yeah I know Cummins is a very competitive person. Uh, before we went to Eldora, Kyle Larson won at Lincoln twice. First, the local show that paid $6,900, which is pretty incredible for a PA local show. And then twenty grand in the Dirt Classic, so uh, Larson had his name at, uh, at Lincoln all, you know, pretty much all year he has. Yeah, for sure. I mean, pretty much everywhere he goes, I feel like he's, he's the guy to beat. I feel like they've been a bit off. Second... A couple wins, they weren't all that yeah, yeah, dominant. Ten, tenth I mean, to second, I mean, half off night. Tenth to second. Yeah, last night, <laughs> off night. Uh, Aaron Reitzel went at the Grove, extended his points lead over Corey Eliason. He's looking for his third championship in a row, and he'll decide that at Fremont with a couple of races here soon. Yeah, he's been good. Had a, had a tough night Tuesday, but um, I don't even remember where he, where he ended up last night, but wasn't really in the mix all, all week. No, he – they um, – yeah, they were trying to figure some stuff out at Eldora, but they're going to go to Fremont and try to win the championship there. Shane Golubic won the first night at, in the 360 at Husits, and then Tim Kading uh, won the second night. One of the cool things about Kading was he pulls into the scales, then they push him back on the four-wheeler. They fired him back off on the track and let him do donuts. <laughs> I'm like, they're firing these cars back off to let him do donuts? That's just <laughs> the Tim Kading thing right there. That's classic TK. Uh, big win for him the final night at Husits. Uh, that looks like all the winners. So your hat shake, who do you got? Man, I got to give one to Shark Racing from just the last two nights at Eldora. They passed Jacob Allen and Logan Schuhart, I think, passed 15 and 17 cars respectively the first night and then both passed 11 last night. I mean, we talked about it on the broadcast. You know, if they'd been able to qualify and start up front, you know, or do anything to start up front, uh, you know, may have been a different story because they obviously were really, really good and could move, move around. So... Uh, I was impressed. I mean, it was impressive the first night, but then to, to back it up and pass double-digit cars, both of them, again, the second night was was impressive. Yeah, Shuhart uh, won at Devil's Bowl with the Outlaws before going to Eldora. Jacob Allen, of course, won a couple weeks. It might be a couple weeks ago yeah, now uh -huh. that he got his first one with the Outlaws. Um, I, man, who the heck do I want to give mine to? I mean, it's pretty tough not to give it to David Gravel. Yeah. I mean, just, you know. I think I just want to give it to him for his track record. Yeah, that was awesome. A 12 5 9. And what was cool was we had an in car on it. And, you know, we brought over the camera for the broadcast and said, and he said, you, you should be happy you're putting on this thing because I'm going for it tonight. <laughs> We're trimming this thing out. 
less fuel, uh, get it, getting, you know, you, it's a NASCAR term, but trim this thing out and get it as fast as possible. I think he was like two tenths faster than the second place car. Yeah, it was a hell of a lap. <laughs> it was ridiculous. So that's where my hat shake's going to finally see the track record break 18 years in the making. Congratulations, David Gravel, not only with 52 grand, but the new track record at Eldora. Some news. Tanner Thorson, a new ride. He's driving for Jerome Rodella. We'll see him at Gas City in Kokomo. We mentioned what last on the last episode that uh, he and Hayward had split apart, and uh, he's going into the t 25, which Chase Johnson, I believe, is his teammate. Right? Yeah, and Brady Bacon's going in the Hayward 19 midget for the, the rest of the year. So that'll be uh, another, another addition to uh, an already stout midget field. Yeah, and, and we've had some... I mean, it's, it's in the air. You could feel it at Eldora. You could feel it, you know, everywhere you go. The musical chairs yep. is in the air. You know, guys are trying to find rides. There's teams shutting down, um, which might be some breaking news here coming uh, in the coming weeks. Um, people are just looking for rides. We saw Spencer Baston when I went to Indy Race Parts last week. You know, he was going to drive for Bernie and, and Shane Stewart. They were stout this week in, in the 71. He was going to drive a second car. And Pittman, after winning at Law End, well, I guess – prior to winning at law and they announced that he was out of the Roth car mm -hmm. Basin gets that ride and we we're at the shop we got an interview with him you could find that on uh, flow um, and then you know there's just people trying to find seats you know where are they gonna sit for the next year and, and Thorson and Bacon already found some midget rides this year, but it's all going to change in the off season. Yeah, it's, I mean, silly season is, is really alive and well already in the sprint car world. So um, it'd be interesting to see who ends up where. All right, I'll be at Gas City and at Kokomo. We'll have content from there. I'll try to talk to Kendall Rubel. We'll, of course, get Wyndham's thoughts trying to chase the Triple Crown and, and both championships. Um, we, we had Logan CV on the broadcast. He's going to be running double duty in both nights in the double-double. Um, you have to go to Mid-Ohio, which is an hour that way. I'm going an hour that way. You're going an yep. hour that way. Yep. Got to do sports cars. You sound really excited. I'm there. thrilled. <laughs> thrilled to be missing two dirt races, you know, an hour away to go do a sports car race. Oh, well. Oh, man. Thanks for joining us this week. Check out all of the content on flowracing.com and on the Flow Racing app. We put some good stuff out from the Tuscarora 50, the Intercontinental Classic, if you like that late model stuff, and uh, the governor's reign here at Eldora.